Welcome back to the Truth Leader Experience podcast. I put out a question in my Facebook group. If you're not in the Facebook group, but you're on Facebook, facebook.com slash Girl Scout podcast. That's actually technically the page, but there's a little button there to join the group. We have a great group of really just the most beautiful hearts of people also achieving really incredible things with their girls. So I put out this question. Who's done some like really big trips, some really big travel? Who's gone to Savannah? What is it like? Who's done international travel? And will you come on the podcast and talk about it? And here's the thing. Part of the reason why I want to have this conversation is because I, as a sixth grader, which was juniors back when I was a sixth grader, but it is currently cadets. Uh, my troop went to Savannah and it was great fun. But I think back on what that experience was and how much, you know, we went from uh, Maryland to Savannah, Georgia. And I think, oh my gosh, like these, <laughs> my troop leader and the the parents involved, they planned a lot. Like I feel so intimidated from the troop leader side of planning something like that for my girls. And as much as I want to do international travel, that also really intimidates me. So that's what I was like. Who's done this? Can you please come on and talk about it? And that leads to my guest today. So we're going to cover all the cool troop leader stuff, but we're also going to talk about travel. So welcome to my dear, wonderful, fantastic guest. Please introduce yourself. Tell us who you are, where you're from, a little bit about your role in Girl Scouts. Awesome. My name's Jen Friesen. I am a troop leader to just recently bridged seniors. I have got 13 high schoolers. And mostly seniors. I got a one ambassador in there as well. I'm from the San Francisco Bay area. So California. And I also serve for my service unit as the MSM, the member support manager and the new leader mentor. So that's, those are my roles within Girl Scouts. It's funny because I saw when you scheduled this interview with me, you put MSM and I was like, I do not even know what that stands for. So I definitely wanted to talk about that. So that's exciting. So let's start with your troop. So you said you're just bridge, which makes me even more excited to talk to you because not only did you travel across the country, but you did it with girls who were not in high school. Like I, I have so many questions, but before we get to that, just tell me about your troop in general. Is it just one grade level? How large is your troop? How long have they been together? Like, tell me about the basics. Let's set the scene. So we started uh, the troop as kindergarten daisies. My co-leader and I, our two girls went to preschool together and they both really wanted to do Girl Scouts. My older son had started Cub Scouts at the time and they were really excited. And I think uh, like most of us, when we called and tried to find a daisy troop, it was like, there's none, but you know, if you want to volunteer. <laughs> um, and so we, we go both got roped into it and started a troop with kindergarten daisies, um, started out small, uh, six, six girls. And then just through the years um, of being kind of active, we had friends join. And then as the girls have gotten older and troops sometimes start to disband, we've gotten some girls from other troops that have joined us. We started out as just one single grade level, but now we're mostly ninth graders. I have 13 girls right now. So 11 of them are ninth graders. Plus I have a 10th grader and a, and an 11th grader. Wow. That's so cool. How many of the original six are still together? We have three of the original six. Wow. Yeah. One, one moved to Florida and then the other two stayed with us through juniors and they just, you know, they started to get into other activities and, and chose those over Girl Scouts. So, 
So I have to ask because anybody who's working with older girls, especially who's seen, you know, the retention changes as girls, as they get, as they grow, what, what do you, would you say are your best tips for retention for girls as they get into middle and high school? Well, I think one of the best things we ever did that we're going to talk more about is going to Savannah. That was a huge reason why I think I have so many girls still in, in high school. Uh, we went as seventh graders, but I think also just making sure that you're keeping it relevant and fun and doing things and kind of getting, keeping a pulse on your, on your group. What do they like to do? Um, and especially in the middle school years, I was just having a conversation, uh, with one of the leaders whose girls just bridged into cadets and I was letting them know, you know, sometimes they start to think that it's, they're not that into the badges or they're not that into the programming. And you kind of have to listen to instead of, all right, which badges do you want to do? Like, what kind of things do you want to do? You guys want to go rock climbing? Yeah, let's go rock climbing. Okay. And then we just work in the fact that we're doing the rock climbing badge or, you know, you want to have a spa day. Okay, great. Then we'll, we'll work, you know, we'll work on the fact that it's science of happiness, but they don't need to necessarily know that initially. Right. So just trying to kind of get a pulse on what they like to do. Do they like doing community service? Do they like being in the outdoors? Do they like travel and trying to incorporate incorporate that as much into what you're doing as a troop as possible? I love that advice so much because I think people ask all the time, how do I do this without it feeling like school? And then they'll say, let me show you my resources. Here's the worksheets that we're using. We're reading from the book. We're going through the girls are individually planning each step of the badge and then they're leading the meeting. It's like, well, of course that feels like school. And for some girls, they love that and they thrive. And also depending on the grade level, right? Like for some girls, that's going to be exactly the experience they're looking for. I was a kid who loved school. I probably would have thrived in a troop like that. Not all kids are going to thrive in a troop like that. And that's okay. And we know like our different groups are going to, the personality combination is going to look a little different. Also the volunteer capacity and personality is going to look a little different. And when you know your own group and your own troop community and what they are going to be interested in. Yeah, I love it. And we used to have conversations in my troop like, um, what are your favorite school subjects? What are your least favorite school subjects? What sports are you playing? What do you love to do? Like, what do you do in your spare time? As you're knowing these things and how these things grow and evolve with your girls, that can kind of help guide what badges to do without calling them like today we're doing the science of happiness badge open your books to page 37 right like it doesn't have to feel like that and and I've talked about this too but I want to like also say one way we did this in my troop is really having the girls reflect on what are your favorite memories that you've done so far slash what would you want to do more of what do you want to go deeper on and if they really loved the cooking badge the year before and not necessarily they loved the cooking badge, but they loved cooking meetings. Anytime we got to cook, they loved to do that. If that's what they express, then you keep going down the food route, right? So um, so those are ways to kind of adapt this sort of structured idea of let's flip through the book and pick the badges we want to do. And it's still girl-led, right? I think that's like, I have, I have a few episodes that have either come out or are coming out. I guess at the time this airs, they'll all be out. But I have some episodes that have recently come out where we're talking about what this girl-led concept means and how to do it well. And especially as they grow, like, what does this look like? And I think that is really important to say girl-led can look like so many different things. 
but listening to them, that is, that's like kind of fundamental. Yeah. Okay. Moving on. So let's flash all the way back. Were you a girl member of Girl Scouts when you were growing up? And if so, for how long? I was, I was, they didn't have daisies when I was a girl. It started, I think a year or two after I would have been eligible. Uh, so I started in first grade as a brownie and went through fifth grade as a junior. Um, my mom was my troop leader and around, you know, fourth, fifth grade, she started looking for somebody else to take over as troop leader. She, you know, what didn't want to continue on and nobody was willing, uh, to, to do that. And this was obviously pre-internet. And so when your troop at your school disbanded, you just kind of, you were done. And so that's, I was always kind of disappointed because I would have happily continued on. Um, so I did it for, from first to fifth grade. Hey, that's, that's a good run. That's a good run. What are some of your favorite memories from being a Girl Scout as a kid? So (laughs) I always tell this story too, when I meet with new leaders, um, how important I think getting out and doing field trips and uh, different activities, exposing kids to things they wouldn't necessarily get to do otherwise. Um, because one of my favorites was we went and visited the police station and they locked us in the little jail that they had in the back there and pretended to leave and then came back. And, um, you know, it sounds so silly, but it's like, it totally sticks out into my mind is like one of those things where it's like, oh, I would never have gotten to do that if if I wasn't in Girl Scouts, it was really neat and memorable. My mom, like I said, was my troop leader. My parents are not outdoorsy camping people at all. Um, but she pushed herself and made sure that that was something that was offered to the troop. And so we had a few campouts, some where we rented cabins with Girl Scout property and one where we actually tent camped. And it was the only time I did that as a, as a kid. So those also really stand out in my memory. That sounds really fun. And that is so linked to what I love about being a volunteer, too, is that you do all of these experiences. Some of them are ridiculous and silly, and some of them are just like pushing yourself further than you ever would go if you didn't have a group of kids watching (laughs) and expecting. (laughs) So um, what are some of your best memories and proudest moments? You can tell as many stories as you want as a volunteer. Oh, gosh. So I was trying to think of like proudest memories that I've had as a volunteer. And there's been a lot of things that I'm proud that we did. But I think one of my proudest memories is around here in the South Bay. So about an hour from us, the service unit down there has been offering an outdoor skills camporee to older girls only since like the 1970s. It's been around forever. And it is only available for cadets and up and they spend the, the weekend at this park down in the South Bay and they compete in all sorts of different things, emergency shelter making. They do this thing called the pancake flip-flop where you have to start a charcoal fire, mix up pancake batter. Then you have to make pancakes and each girl has to take a turn making the pancake and then flipping it over a string that's six foot in the hair and catching it back on the pan and however many you can do in, in the time period. They also have like a team challenge. They have orienteering and trail signs. So they compete in all these different areas. And it was something that had been on my radar since our girls were younger. And when I brought it up to the girls, they were really excited to do it once they were cadets. So we did some practice sessions. We had a lot of fun, but, you know, I was really prepping them with, you know, we're just going to have fun. A lot of these troops have done this a lot of times. We're just, we're going to go, we're going to have fun. And, um, it doesn't matter how we do. 
and we got through the weekend and the girls ended up winning first place and getting to take home the revolving trophy for the year. And they were just, they were just so proud of themselves. Like it was one of those things where you could see they were, they were walking, you know, a couple inches taller than when we went in. Uh, and so that, that was definitely one of my proudest moments. So cool. I love that. How about some, one of your craziest or silliest memories? I think one of the more recent ones that I can think of is last year we had what we called Friendsgiving, where we had our troop meeting right before Thanksgiving and uh, we, the girls planned it and we had all these minute to win it games where they were like whipped cream all over their faces. They were just all laughing and hysterical. And one of the girls had come up with the fact that, okay, we're going to do a potluck. But the rules of the potluck are that you have to bring a food that starts with the same letter as your first name. And so like it was this weird collection of food with like name tags explaining for some of the ones that were like a little bit (laughs) harder letters to connect. And uh, it was just it was just a lot of fun. And we had had a couple of new girls that had joined the troop. And it was just so great to see them just get enfolded in into the craziness and the silliness. Uh, That was definitely a a good time that we had. That sounds so fun. I'm like already thinking like, what would I bring? That's a cool way, especially like you said, for new girls to come in. I feel like anytime you're connecting like your name to something, there's something that feels very like including and validating in that. Like this is me. (laughs) So Girl Scouts isn't just to help girls grow. It's for adults to grow too. What is one way you have been impacted or changed through your experience of volunteering for Girl Scouts? I think to me, like the most surprising part that I've gotten out of Girl Scouting is the adult relationships that I formed. I really went into it having loved Girl Scouts as a girl and wanting to provide that same experience for my daughter. And I definitely feel like I've, I've done that and more, but also I have made some of my best adult friends right? We have our friends that we make in like childhood or in college that stick with us through the years, but sometimes it's really hard to connect, you know, once we're adults and out in the real world, um, in that same way. And some of my best friends in town are women that I have met through Girl Scouts and that we hang out with each other outside of Girl Scouts. And we just, it's just been such a wonderful way for me to connect to my larger community. And I didn't, I didn't expect that. That's so special. I hear people say that on this podcast a lot. And I do have some very special friends I've met through Girl Scouts, but most of the ones that I've met have been through this podcast, which is so <laughs> funny. But yeah, it, it is a really, it's an interesting way as adults. And and I'll even say, especially for adult women to connect with other women. But I say that with like an asterisk that is fully acknowledging. I know I have some some men who listen to this who love to make sure that they are represented and I hope that they feel like they get to make friends through this too I think like most of the people I've met have been women in my Girl Scout circles but yeah hopefully the men feel like they're making friends but we'll have to we'll have to know we have some awesome Girl Scout dads in our troop that I've also become very friendly with and I'm so grateful with their time and their commitment that they've they've put into our troop as well that's wonderful to hear. What would you say has been the biggest challenge for you as a troop leader or in any of your volunteer roles with Girl Scouts? I think to me, it's, there's a time management piece. That's like the, I mean, maybe more obvious difficulty. 
when I first started, I was working part-time and the girls were younger. So all of the activities were, were smaller just to start with. Um, and then as I've gone, I've transitioned to working full time and the girls are bigger. And so their adventures and their desires are bigger, like just figuring out a way to manage it so that they're getting everything they want and need out of it. Um, in a way that I can, I can manage without driving myself crazy (laughs) or without burning myself out. Um, that's one of the things like when I meet with new leaders that I talk, talk to them a lot about that you have to figure out what works for you first. And then that's what, you know, then that's what you can go forward and offer because if you're worried too much about meeting everybody else's needs and not your own, you're, you're not, you're not going to be able to last as a volunteer, or you're not going to be able to really enjoy and get out what, what you should enjoy and get out of volunteering with the Girl Scouts too. Yeah. Yeah. I want to know about this MSM role, this member services role. Is this, this is volunteer as well, or is this a a paid position? No, no, this is within our service unit. So I am sure every council has different Yeah. Yeah. So within that role, I'm supporting the volunteer support person for the other leaders in, in my town. So I help the new leaders get oriented. I'm often like the first phone call that uh, somebody might make with, Hey, um, I need this question answered or email, you know, who can I turn to? And if I don't know the answer, I can then, you know, direct them to the next, the appropriate person to go to next. So is this, is, do you think, is this the same as a service unit manager or is, or do you have one of those as well? No, we have that as well. Oh, I also am supposed to do recruiting, although I'm not as good at that part, uh, <laughs> a little bit of that, but uh, the, yeah, uh, no, we also, we call that the LSM, the, okay. uh, the leader support manager. And so that's a slightly different role. They're the ones, at least in our service unit who run more of the service unit meetings. Okay. You, um, like I do a newsletter once a month to, to members just to kind of let them know what's going on. So, and I'm sure some of that is not super clearly defined roles and that as a group, we kind of break things up, even if it bleeds a little bit. In, yeah. It sounds like, role. it sounds like that is combined into mostly one role in my service unit. I don't, I can't even say across my whole council, right? Because service unit by service unit, it might look different, but Um, It sounds like the service unit I'm part of, we have that really combined into one role, but how interesting and helpful, especially if it's a larger group to be able to distinguish some of those in those different, I guess, responsibilities into two roles. Fascinating. So um, (laughs) as somebody who helps support the new troop volunteers in your area, like that's something specifically that you do. What advice do you have for new troop volunteers? Like I said, the biggest thing I tell new troop leaders is that they need to first look at their schedule, what they can realistically offer, you know, which days work for them, what frequency works for them and start, start there. And even when looking at offering badges to your troop, start by looking at what do you feel like you can take on, like look through the badges. What, which ones do you feel like you could, you're willing to try or you're you have some ideas for, or that you feel like you could do a good job at those and then, then offer the girls from that subset. So start where, with what you feel capable of doing and then move forward to offer the choice to others. I think that's one of the huge ones. The other one is that the badge steps are 
suggestions as to like the activities that they offer that those three items are not the only three things you can do for that step. Look and read at the top. What is the step? What's the spirit of the step? What's it's trying to accomplish? Look at the three choices to give you an idea of the, the depth that they're looking for. And then if you have a different idea that kind of fits within there, go for it. It's not, you don't have to just pick from those three. So those are the, I think the two biggest pieces that I offer. Oh, and the last one, um, I'm also a teacher. So I teach uh, sixth grade. And one of the things that I think is hardest, especially for troop leaders of the younger girls is that kind of troop management, right? That kind of classroom management part of running a group of girls. And that's to have an activity that is pretty independent that kids can walk in and do right off the bat before your meeting starts so that chaos doesn't build. And then you're trying to rein it in that you have something for them to do right off the bat. It could be as simple as a coloring sheet. It could be some puzzles that connect to what you're talking about. It could be a simple community service project. If they're a little bit older where you're putting together things or making cards for veterans, but something that they can independently start before the meeting starts and you gather everybody together. So I guess, those, sorry, I said two, but those are my three big pieces of advice that I give uh, new leaders. Great. Really, really helpful. And this is coming out right on the heels of a bonus series that, um, or I guess in the, during <laughs> a bonus series that I'm doing in the month of September, which is like a back to troop kind of introductory thing. And I think, I think like the same week that this episode is coming out, I have an episode, a solo episode that's coming out that talks about some really similar themes. So um, that makes me feel so good because I think, oh, chronologically, this is just going to make so much sense for people listening. (laughs) (laughs) But I obviously agree with, with that advice. I think it's really, really good. Okay. Let's talk about Savannah because I have a million and five questions. So I'm going to try to like be organized about asking. But the very first thing that jumps off the page is if I do the math correctly from what I think I heard you say, it sounds like you took a cross-country trip with middle schoolers on the heels of social distancing from the pandemic. Is that accurate? That is 100% accurate. We were masked. So if you look through the pictures, there's like masks on the planes. And unfortunately, we did have uh, coming home. We had several girls end up testing positive once they got home. But yeah, it was we planned the trip, started our planning for the trip over Zoom. (laughs) So it was it was kind of a crazy time to travel, but also an awesome time to travel because it was coming off of that and the girls needed something to connect like that. Yeah, for sure. For sure. And as you know, because you listen to my show, thank you. My troop like really imploded after that. And I think if we had been planning something big like this, I wonder if that would have, to your point about retention earlier, if that would have been a way to be able to kind of hold on to that a little more. But I mean, too bad, so sad. I can't go back and redo it two years ago. So it is what it is. But that is an interesting thought. Okay. So the next big thing that I really want to know, especially coming all the way from California, how did you even introduce this idea to the girls of wanting to go to Savannah? And like, okay, so we planned our first out-of-state trip and then everything shut down. Now I'm in Arizona, so also across the country. So our first out-of-state trip together was not going to be on a plane. It was going to be driving. We were going to go to California. That's what they ended up deciding on of all of our drivable states. But um, 
I tried to introduce them to like, hey, you may not even know as sixth graders where we could go from here. Some of the places we could go are places you've already been and some are places you've never been before. Here's some suggestions. What's interesting to you? And I tried so hard to make some places sound interesting. But <laughs> how in the world did you get the girls on board of all the places they could go to want to go to Savannah, Georgia to go like learn about Girl Scout history? Well, so I think it helped a little bit in that we, so we started planning and saving for this at the very, was either the very end of third grade or the very beginning of fourth grade. We did, we started a list of where we would want to go. And we talked a lot about a family trip versus a Girl Scout trip, right? Like that a family trip's really a trip to Disneyland and that we're looking to do something that you wouldn't necessarily get to do outside of Girl Scouts. Because where we are at, my families are pretty fortunate. Most of them have gotten to do trips uh, to Disneyland or or things of the equivalent. And so on the list was New York, Savannah. And I did add that one. And I kind of talked it up, like you're saying. And I forget what the third one was. And we talked about it. and, And we talked about that idea of like the family trip versus the Girl Scout trip. And the girls decided that none of them would go to Savannah outside of Girl Scouts. So that seemed like a good good choice for our trip. So the next question that immediately jumps out for me, I have a million, but the next one that immediately jumps out for me, even though I went, so I've been there, (laughs) but when you say you talked it up, how did you even know what it was going to be like? How did you even know what it is you could go do in Savannah, because it a little bit feels like, and and people who have been there are going to say, it does not feel like that. But if you've never been there, especially if you live far away from Georgia, right? So you don't even know Savannah, um, may not even have heard of the city of Savannah, right? Which may sound crazy if you're from Georgia, like I get that. But if you are in a totally different state across the country and you're in fourth, third or fourth grade, right? Like you've never even heard of Savannah. How would you make it sound interesting to go tour like this is where the founder of Girl Scouts was born and grew up? Like, how do you make that sound cool? <laughs> well, so, I mean, obviously we had been doing like the GS Way badges and stuff, right? So they, my ca- girls were familiar with some of the basics of of Girl Scout history. Uh, so there was that appeal, but we also, I had was a member of the, uh, I think it's Girl Scouts traveling to Savannah, Georgia or something along that Facebook page. So I'd seen different posts of things there too. And I said, you know, and there's like a dolphin tour thing you can do. We can, um, oh, a ghost tour. They were all very excited about that and a carriage ride tour. So I talked about the Girl Scout stuff, but I also talked about some of the other items that we could do as well. What is cracking me up about this is that those are the exact same activities we did when I went, (laughs) which was like 20, almost 20. Yeah, it was like 25 years ago. So that's hilarious to me. But okay, All right. So um, and okay, And when I say this, if you're listening, I don't want you to feel like I'm knocking Savannah. What I'm really trying to dig into and figure out is when I have my next troop as they're getting older and we're talking about Girl Scout and we're talking about Girl Scout history. How do I entice them to want to take this trip? Because I can tell you, going to Savannah is hands down the best memory I have of Girl Scouts as a kid. It was such a cool trip and it was a really, really fun thing. And I am still in touch with every single girl, well, now woman, (laughs) who went on that trip with me. Like the, the girls that went on that trip, I'm still friends with every single one of them. Not like 
bridesmaid level friends, right? But not like godmother of my children level friends, but we are still in touch and we're friendly (laughs) with every single one. It was very, very cool and a very good bonding opportunity. And, um, and I loved it. I really, really did have a blast. So how do I encourage girls to want to do that over New York city? That's really what I'm trying to like get into here. Like, how do we make this cool? Okay. (laughs) I think I also like, I, I probably looking back on it, have been dropping hence along the way, like in the year prior to us, even kind of coming to talk about that decision of like when we're talking about, Ooh, and then you can go, you know, a lot of girl scouts love to go to Savannah, Georgia, right. You can fly across country. They, and I kind of, you know, dropped those little hints, I think probably a whole year or so before we actually started talking about picking a place or traveling. Okay. Yeah. I like that almost like a Mecca thing, like girl scouts and girl guides from all over the world travel to Savannah to visit this place and how cool to like get to have done that. Okay. I love that. Okay, so you started planning in like third, fourth grade, and you did not go until seventh, partially, I'm assuming, because of the everything closing. But how long do you think, and obviously taking into consideration that there was a whole pandemic that closed down everything for like a year of that time, um, how long do you think realistically, like what's a realistic runway to plan for a trip like this, especially considering you traveled all the way across the country? I guess a lot of that would depend on how much you're trying to cover from troop funds, right? So if your if your goal is to pay for the entire thing, that's going to take a little bit longer. Um, if your goal is to cover part of it and that family contributions are going to cover part of it, then then I would say I think a year out would be the minimum that you would comfortably be able to have the girls highly involved in the process. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So with your troop, are you comfortable sharing how many girls went? What was the cost from troop funds and what was the expected family contribution? And I know the rules with each council are totally different on how you're allowed to fund things, how you're allowed to. Yes. Thank you for saying that. Thank you for saying that. So there there are all of those stipulations uh, before we start, Uh, but uh, our goal when we presented it was that it would be a third uh, parent or family contribution, a third cookies and a third of outside money earning events. Uh, that said in our, um, in our council, we are allowed to do like a tiered system within the cookie funds uh, so that you can say, it can't be that they get a certain percentage of every box, but almost like how the council set it up where, you know, if you sell 300 boxes, you get this prize or, or whatnot. So for our troop, the girls voted on having for every 300 boxes, which equals about $300 for the troop, $100 could be applied to that, um, that scouts trip. And so that left still 200 for just general troop costs. So we had some girls that are big sellers that they funded their entire trip just through cookies. Um, and so they didn't do that whole one third, one third, one third. We did several money earning events, all the families that contributed, um, that participate in the money earning events, then that money went towards, uh, theirs. So, and then we had one girl that joined six months before we left and her parents were like, that's okay. We'll just write a check. Um, so it, it really, it varied. We had some girls that were, was hundred percent funded through, through troop activities. And most of the girls fell, fell close to that one third to one half uh, parent contribution. 
Okay. And this is an interesting thing too, because first of all, how much money you earn per box towards your troop is going to vary council by council. Um, So totally hear you on that. And then also how much, how many packages per girl are sold? And I'll go ahead and say, I've talked about this on, on this podcast before, but if you're kind of newer to the podcast or you're even newer to Girl Scouts, none of the girls in my troop were really, really big sellers. And um, I think my per girl average most years was right around the 250 packages mark per girl. And there were girls who sold more and there were girls who sold virtually none, right? Who sold maybe one case and that's it. Which if you're new, a case is 12 boxes. So... I, I'm curious, what, like, do you know what your troops per girl average? And it's probably changed a lot over the years, but during the like kind of fundraising for this trip time, do you know what your per girl average was? Our per girl, per girl average, our per girl average was probably around 360. So we have a couple, we have of the 13 girls, three that were big sellers and who funded a large chunk through cookies. And, um, and then probably the majority of the troop, cause we did this for several years, right? So this wasn't just a one year cookie sales thing. Several of the girls who sold probably around 300 ish, most, you know, that basically made that mark, but for, you know, three or four years in a row that gave them three or $400 towards the trip. Does that make sense? And, totally. and then some that were not, they didn't put, they didn't put any money as far as cookies towards it, but then they, they participated in a much larger degree in the other money earning events. Yeah. Okay. How many girls again, did you say went on the trip? 13. Wow. Wow. That's a lot of girls. Okay. Um, just for reference, five, five adults, so 18 people total. Okay. Just for reference in the troop that I was in as a kid that went six girls went and six adults. <laughs> so we, it was a girl and a mom <laughs> like fair. So much, much smaller and definitely we drove. So, okay. So then I definitely want to ask you about the additional money earning projects that you did. And I, again, we'll caveat this with the requirements and approval process for additional money earning is going to be very, very council dependent. So in some places, you're not allowed to do additional money earning at all. In a lot of places, you have to participate in like cookie and fall product or like nuts and magazines in order to to be, be able to do additional money earning. You, I would say even in the councils where it's allowed, I think it's pretty much across the board. You have to get your additional money earning projects approved. Like you can't just do anything you want. And they have to know like what's happening. You have to kind of like report that, but it's going to totally vary by council. So with all of that being said, what were your additional money earning projects and how did you plan them? Well, I mean, we had a few, but our biggest ones, uh, our town has a twice a year antique fair and we were able to set up a booth free of charge because uh, of our nonprofit status and set up a bake sale at, at the antique fair. And we sold water, I think we sold hot chocolate and coffee in the mornings and then cold waters in the afternoon, which actually was our biggest seller because we bought them from Costco for, I don't know, like five cents a bottle or something like that. And we're selling them for $2 a bottle because they were nice ice cold and people were walking around and there was nowhere, you know, to get drinks. And we were cheaper than any other of the vendors that were there, food vendors that were there. So we, we did that multiple times. And I want to say earned between a thousand fifteen hundred dollars each time we did that. So those were those were good ones. Our service unit also runs a camporee, 
And so we provided food for the camporee at an additional cost where we would, troops could just come and basically we would have dinner, breakfast, lunch, and dinner for them. Um, and that was a good one too. I think we made a little over a grand at that one as well. So those were our big ones. That is fantastic and very creative. I I love this. Okay. Very good suggestions. Let's talk more about the actual trip. Where did you stay? And you don't have to tell me like the exact location, but like, was it a hotel? How many rooms? What was it like an Airbnb? And again, we're going to caveat this with, you have to get this approved by council, submit all your proper troop forms, and they're going to have different restrictions on where you're allowed to stay. But in your case, what did you do? <laughs> so um, our, at the time, our council did not allow Airbnbs. I believe they do now with certain stipulations, but we stayed in a hotel downtown. We had two adult rooms and three kid rooms, scout rooms. We were all on the same floor, but not necessarily all connected to each other. We were close, but not, it wasn't like five rooms in a row. Okay. And it was, yeah, all within walking distance. Like the majority of the stuff we did was uh, we were able to walk to. Oh, that makes sense. That makes sense. Yeah. Cause we did a, like a big van and drove down together. And which is so funny. I think about like, I can't believe my mom like wanted to do that, but that's fine. <laughs> um, just knowing my mom, it's just really funny to like reflect back on that. Like, I think that's really, really fun, but even renting like a 15 passenger van is going to vary council by council if you're allowed to do that. And that is, I think what we did, but anyways, so it could have been just like a 12 passenger, I guess there were 12 you of have us. To have a, a class B license to do a 12 passenger van or more in California. And e- that's yeah. even if we're out of state. Yes. So it's going to, um, it's going to, and, and what you're even allowed to do by council is also going to vary. So definitely. Um, but we had a vehicle is was where, where I was coming, going with that is the walking distance thing is, is interesting, but I think I'm under the impression Savannah is a pretty walkable city. So I could see that working out, but that had to be a consideration, obviously, if you're flying, speaking of flying, did you just book your own flights? Did you go through, some kind of like travel support? What did you, how did you handle that? So we did the majority of our booking through PBNJ tours, which is an awesome company to work with. They specialize in Girl Scouts coming to Savannah. That's all they do adult groups and kid groups, but they do not do any airfare or like transportation there. They'll, they'll help you book everything once you're in Savannah. Uh, so we had to book the, the flights ourselves and I called around to the different airlines that I knew flew near us to Savannah uh, to their group booking department, because if you're more than 10, then you qualify for group booking, which is not as I was really hoping meant like cheaper tickets. That's not what it means at all. It just means that you're going to be booked together. Like it's really hard to, they won't let you buy tickets as a, like in, in that large of batches at one time. It also, though, guarantees that you can you don't have to pay for it all up front. So you can pay for it in installments, which is super helpful. And that if there are any changes that you're kind of dealt with together as a group. The other part that was fabulous, we ended up booking through American Airlines, is they had an agent waiting for us when we walked into the airport um, at San Francisco International Airport. So it's not like it's a small little airport. And, you know, I was traveling with a bunch of 12 year olds, most of them without a a parent. And they just, they met me there. They had all the tickets 
printed out and had us all kind of pre pre-checked in. So it was easy then to get right into the line for secure security. Um, so yeah, that's it. We, you book it. I booked it ourselves, but through, not through like just the internet, you have to like call into the actual airlines. Tremendously helpful. I mean, hi, I guess I probably would have found that out Googling it if I was getting ready to book a trip. But oh, my gosh, that's so, so helpful. And and then that also made me think, what about IDs? And maybe I guess so I don't have my kids are grown and they're stepkids. So I haven't traveled with a, a minor who doesn't have an ID in a very long time. And even even then, I mean, things change. Right. And like your own kid is definitely different from traveling with a bunch of other people's kids. Like what? Did you have to, did they have to get travel IDs in order to do this or how did, how does that work? So I have to tell you, that was the part that I was kind of shocked and fascinated by. And, um, even, even going there, I didn't fully trust that it was true, but kids under 18 do not need an ID to fly. And if you're traveling domestically, there's no paperwork that you're required to have to, have like somebody else's kid with you on the plane, which I thought was like, just amazing. Yeah, that seems totally crazy. But okay, convenient, convenient, convenient. Um, And so what I did do, though, just because I was like I said, I was I was slightly paranoid that that wouldn't work is I did ask uh, parents to send if they if their child had a passport or a a photocopy of their birth certificate, or their school ID, um, to have that and that as the adults, we would, because they were seventh graders, I said, we would hold on to them just to make the parents feel more comfortable sending kind of those bigger documents with them so that we had them, but we never, we never needed them. So then in a place like an airport and in the public places that you were across the country, you know, 3000 miles from home, what are some kind of like tips or strategies or like what did and did not work with wrangling that many 12 year olds and like did you have kind of like subgroups or obviously buddies is really common in Girl Scouts like what what things worked and what didn't like what's helpful (laughs) well one of the things we did like in that whole year going up to it I I created this booklet travel log that we used to help plan the trip and then also had with us there and kind of used for journaling and keeping track of what was happening while we were in Savannah and Part of that process was coming up with group rules and agreements and what, what we needed to, what we needed to consider when we were in these bigger public places. And what does it mean? Uh, I stole this from some other Girl Scout something like, what does it mean to travel while green? That idea of like, you know, you're traveling as a Girl Scout and representing Girl Scouts and what kind of considerations do you have to take in, in, in mind when you do that? So we talked a lot before, I guess is, is what I'm, I'm saying. Like we had kind of set up a lot of those expectations before. So buddies staying together as a group with an adult in the front and an adult in the rear. It, when you're, when we're in a place and we're kind of splitting up that you, you have to have that buddy and that you have to be aware of the time and the check-in place when we're come when we're coming back together, as far as moving through the airport, it was, it was surprisingly easy. Again, there is I was more stressed about it going into it than I needed to be. It all worked out really well. There was one layover where we were kind of having a rush and I felt like we were running through the airport with 13, uh, you know, 13, 12 year olds with us. But at the same time, they, I mean, they, they were great. They stayed with us. They knew we had talked through so many of the different situations of if you 
got separated or why we needed to stay together and, you know, waiting for somebody at the bath, making sure nobody's in the bathroom by themselves, that sort of thing. It, it all worked out really well, I think, because of a lot of that prep work that we had put in ahead of time. I have so many more questions, but for the sake of time, I will narrow it down to two. So <laughs> one is, did, were you traveling with any girls who had never flown before? One, one girl. Okay. okay. So I think, so I think that would be an interesting thing too. And that's amazing out of a group of, of 13 of them. I think that would be an interesting thing too, to think about is just if girls already kind of have expectations of what it's like to move through an airport and be on a plane, that might be a different experience than a bunch of girls who have never been on a plane before. So I'm fascinated. Okay. Okay. For the sake of time, what was the actual like Girl Scout part of Savannah like, and would you recommend it to other troops and like why or why not? Well, I think we were talking about retention earlier, and I think a big part of why um, I've retained such a large group into high school was just the big travel in general. But I think connected to that is the connection they feel to Girl Scouts because of our trip to, to Savannah. So I would highly recommend it, even though I don't know that any of the girls would have listed like those history spots as their number one favorite thing in Savannah. I think in combination, it gave them a really deeper connection to Girl Scouts as a movement. And then also the opportunities that they have available to them because they're Girl Scouts, because at almost all of those kind of Girl Scouty spots, somebody would talk about the gold award or somebody would talk about uh, other trips and travel you get to do or something else about Girl Scouts that would connect with some of the girls. We did the birthplace, which was fabulous. The tour there um, was really well done. That was one of our first stops. And it was the only stop where we wore our full uniforms when we went there and we got our picture taken uh, in front of it. You get, they did like these little games inside the, the tour guide did a wonderful job of explaining the connection to Juliet Gordon who she was, some of the history of Savannah as you're going through and the house itself is fascinating. And Juliet Gordon Lowe is just, she's a fascinating woman. Like the things she was doing, like learning how to weld, painting her own China. Like it, it was amazing just to learn about her, even though, we had some of these things we had heard about before, just like that she was a bit of a trailblazer. We also learned that she was called crazy Daisy because she couldn't drive and like ran in her car into somebody's dinner party and just got out and left, like left the car there and was like, Oh, sorry to stop by and, and left, you know? So just all of these different stories that I think helped the girls feel again, more connected to, to both the founder of girl scouts and girl scouts as a larger movement. We also did, uh, the first headquarters, which was smaller, but interesting. Um, it's like a one room history of Girl Scouts. And the uh, tour guide there gives you just has the girls sit down and, and it's it's fairly short, but it's a really in depth with lots of visuals on just the Girl Scout movement through the years. Then I'm trying to think there is another. Oh, the other thing we did was a trolley tour of Savannah that was kind of geared more towards Girl Scout history and a stop at the cemetery where Juliet Gornlow is buried. And that again was coming from California. Part of it was just 
seeing such a different environment, like the Spanish moss and the trees and the whole, the whole uh, look of, of both the cemetery and of Savannah was fascinating to me and the girls and just kind of really feeling like you're in a different place. So I think those were the big three things that we did that were really specific Girl Scouts. Wow. Okay. Very, very, very cool. And I just, um, yeah, I hope that conversations like this, if you're listening, give you kind of more, first of all, you can picture, hopefully you can picture it more, what it might look like if you were to take a trip like this with your troop if you haven't already. And then I also hope that if you're like me and you are just racked with anxiety about all of the details that would go into planning it, I'm hoping that these conversations, first of all, I just want to like um, learn from people like you who have already done it, <laughs> but also it like eases my anxiety of, of course we can do this. Of course we can. And so some really, really helpful tips and and just like you painted a beautiful picture and I could talk to you for another hour, but thank you so much for your time. I really appreciate it. And thank you for everything that you do for the girls in your, and, and volunteers in your community. That's amazing. Thank you so much for having me. 